I've always tried to give the best of me. Um, granted, there's always nobody's perfect. There's a lot of things to fix, but um, but I've always tried to give it my best, and uh, and I think that you that at some point, like I said, you start tolerating certain behaviors and you start, you know, accepting certain things because you want to make the relationship work. And, um, and, and it's, that's precisely, I think the first mistake and the first, uh, step towards, uh, failure in a, in a relationship, because you should never, like I said prior, I, you should never accept anything less than when you desert. That was Laura Alvarado, and this is The Share Podcast. It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Share Podcast. And today we have such a special treat for you. It's my ex-wife Laura Alvarado joining us on the show. And today she shares her side of the story. Many of you have heard me share my story about my ex-wife, my daughter, and how losing my wife and my daughter being born became the catalyst for me diving headfirst into recovery. So if you want to know what it was like. From her perspective, what happened, what it was like, and how it is now, then fasten your seatbelts and prepare yourself, because today we go back in time 15 years. So without further ado, let's dive into Lauda's story, but first, a quick message from our sponsor. Today's episode of the Share Podcast is brought to you by Share Support, the recovery connection. Share Support is our new exclusive online membership. At Share Support, we provide peer-to-peer recovery support and coaching that will enhance your journey in recovery. We welcome all who struggle with addiction, are affected by addiction, or support the recovery lifestyle. If you found it difficult to plug into a recovery network in your area or are not comfortable with the ones that are available to you at this moment, then Share Support is the perfect place for you. At $17 a month, Share Support is one of the best recovery support platforms available on the internet today. So for more information about Share Support, go to www.thesharepodcast.com, go to the top of the navigation bar and click on the button that says Share Support, or click on the banner on the right-hand side of the website that says Share Support. Let us meet you where you are currently at in your recovery and allow us to guide you the rest of the way. Join Share Support today. Picture this, you're at work or your office or running your business and you feel confident, fulfilled, successful. Now, imagine this, going home after work and feeling safe, comfortable, and relaxed. And now, imagine being with your family and feeling happiness, joy, and love. Now, how does that sound to you? How does that make you feel? Now imagine that every single day you feel confident, successful, fulfilled, safe, comfortable, relaxed, happiness, joy, and love. Can you picture it? Can you imagine what that would feel like? Of course you can. My name is Omar Pinto, and if you're listening to this right now and saying to yourself, that's the life I want for me, 
then go to www.sharespace.net right now and schedule a free consultation with me today. Sharespace, it's time to believe in yourself again. And if you'd like to contribute to the Share podcast by putting a dollar in the virtual basket, then go to www.thesharepodcast.com, go to the top right corner of the page and click on the button that says donate and drop a dollar in the basket today. And if you'd like to access another free resource as powerful or even more powerful than the Share podcast, then join us in the Share Recovery Network. It is our free private Facebook group that is active 24-7 from people all over the world. If you're seeking recovery, then go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in S-H-A-I-R, Recovery Network, and join this free recovery resource today. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of reviews, we now have 334 five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you so much, all of the listeners that have contributed to that amazing number. And speaking of amazing reviews, our next review is from a neuroscientist in recovery. Thank you, Omar, and Cher. Without Cher, I would not be sober. When I decided to get sober, I put my earphones in at work and streamed Cher nonstop for a week. I still go back and listen to old episodes. I still listen to each new episode when it comes out. When I start drifting from my recovery, Cher brings me back. Omar has an incredible talent for interviewing and has a lot of wisdom and is just a really nice person. Oh, and also, he has a very smooth voice. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'm an atheist. I don't have a higher power, but I still get so much out of this podcast. Thanks for keeping me close to recovery. I know exactly who this is. She's one of my favorite people, uh, and we've gotten very close over the years. Uh, she's been an avid listener of Share for many years, and I am grateful for her, and I'm grateful for all the listeners. This is why I do it. This is why I do it. When you realize, when you wake up one day and you realize that you have a gift and a talent, and that gift and talent can help thousands of people, at some point, there's no way to stay small. There's no way to play small because when you do, it serves no one. When you discover what it is that you were put on this earth to do, just fly. Fly and know that you will soar because this is what you were meant to do. HP, baby. Now, a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Lau, thanks for joining us. Hello, thank you very much for having me. How are you feeling today? I'm okay. I'm a little tired, but I'm okay. I'm always tired now. Modern life, right? Being a mom, right? (laughs) Being a mom and being a lot of other things at the same time. (laughs) All right. Well, good. So, folks, we have a real treat today. Uh, My ex-wife, Laura Alvarado, is going to be joining us on the show today. 
and uh, she's going she's gonna to tell us her side of the story, what it was like when we first met, what happened, and what it's like now. That sound about right, Lau? That sounds about right, although it's been a long time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think time plays games with your memory sometimes, right? And I, I really, truly believe that we should all probably write down everything that we experience in our lives because um, certainly with time, it, it kind of gets blurry. And you kind of remember things you, the way you want to remember them or forget things you don't want to remember. I think that's a good thing, though. I think that in, in many cases... Self-defense mechanism, I guess. It's a self-defense mechanism. And also sometimes, you know, the brain is very... It's, it's very um, uh, efficient. The brain is very efficient. And in many cases, it processes information for the greater good Uh, for humanity, right? As a human being, the brain processes information in a certain way and it protects us. Perhaps, perhaps. But at the same time, I think it's it's good to remember some things that you defensively tend to forget. Well, there's going to be things that you're definitely not going to forget. <laughs> right? And even okay. if it's foggy, you know, even if it's foggy, if you want to recall it, you know, you could do it real fast. <laughs> I suppose, but I think in relationships, it works a lot like um, maybe like having kids, but for a woman, from the woman's perspective, because when you give birth, um, it's, a, it's a horrible, I mean, it's a, it's a painful and difficult experience. And uh, somehow, eventually, you repress that and you decide, hey, I'm going to have another kid because, you know, at the end, the experience of having the kid after the pain and after the difficulties you may have had during pregnancy or whatever, it, you know, it makes it all worth it. So it's kind of the same with relationships. I think you kind of forget that pain, forget that um, the, the difficult experience, and you kind of eventually say, oh, I'm going to jump at it again. And sometimes, you know, it's not such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, on that note... Then uh, tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like. Uh, hectic. Um, I usually get up um, every day at around uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning. That's usually my, the, day my, the hour my day starts. And um, I get my kids ready for school. I get myself ready, breakfast, you know, things ready around the house, get the kids to school. Um, come back, uh, arrange lunch. Um, sometimes I exercise a little bit in the morning, not every day in the morning, sometimes I do it at night. And uh, get lunch ready and start working. That's basically it. If I have time, I do some reading. And, well, I obviously squeeze some uh, praying time in there, at least 20 minutes or so. And, um, and that's it. And then I, my day starts with a lot of work, a lot of distractions. And um, that's usually how it goes. I um, juggle different things because I have a, a, a pet store. So sometimes I go there. Sometimes I stay home and I do work on my on, on content. I, I do content writing for some pages. So that's how my day goes. Okay. All right. Run errands for the family. Go pick up the kids. Feed them. And it, the day goes on. <laughs> And repeat. And repeat every <laughs> single day. Well, um, I'm glad you, you brought up the praying time because that's one of the things that's that's super important uh, for for our listeners and also for um, 
you know, the people that are in, re- in recovery in general, there is that spiritual component that really allows us to connect on a different level, not just with, with the universe, but with ourselves, right? There's this, this internal guidance system that we have. And when we connect that to, to our higher power, then that, that changes the dynamic of, you know, how we feel and the direction of our lives. So I was hoping you could expand a little bit on, on your spiritual condition and how you maintain that. Well, I was raised a Catholic, and uh, my family used to take me to church every single Sunday. Um, but I'm not. As I grew older, I was, ne- you know, and I, and I went actually to um, a Catholic uh, high school as well. Um, so I do have um, a religious basis, so to speak. But um, I don't. Um, I'm I'm not a big uh, fan of the church system or you know all that stuff so but i am spiritual i believe in god i do uh follow the catholic beliefs and uh for not entirely for the most part and um uh, but mostly i believe in god i believe there's um you know a supreme force power out there that uh guides us through a lot of things um i've seen him in action many times in my life and uh i don't think you know and like I said, I don't I don't go to church every 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 week, but uh, every now and then I I attend uh, mass uh, when I when I have the the need to do it more than anything else. But um, I do pray on a daily basis, and I've taught my kids to to pray on a daily basis as well, and um, to to show gratitude first of all um, for everything we do have, and sometimes we take for granted on a daily basis. That includes health, work. And even, you know, bad experiences that we wish we didn't have to go through. And um, and uh, prayer for enlightenment, because there's so many times in our lives that we just yes. really, really, really need that. Um, so especially, at, uh, it's natural, I think, for humans. We usually pray more when we're in more in, more in need of it, right, than when things are going well. Um but um, but I I never stopped praying. I never stopped saying a prayer when in the morning and at night, and even through the day. Uh, even if it's something small, and it's more like a conversation with my with my God than anything else. Um, but I do believe in that. I believe in in the positive um, energy. I believe in the protection of of um, of the of angels and and the protection of both you know people that are around you and how the universe works in very mysterious ways so i do i do believe in all that stuff that's that's and i think that's tremendously through the years as well yes and i think that that's so important because there's moments in our lives that are so painful they're so difficult and trying to communicate that to another person maybe or trying to communicate that with somebody else, just the emotions, the thoughts, the feelings, everything that's going on internally in your body and in your mind. And to communicate that to another person sometimes is, is, is more daunting, more terrifying than anything else. And so to connect with a higher power allows you to have that conversation, to journal, to write, to express yourself in that way. And if there's a true belief system, then you know that what you're saying and what you're writing is getting somewhere because the feelings and the emotions you get from that change, right? The dynamic of the situation. No, and it helps you. Um, you know, I think when you ask 
you have to you have to ask God to you know to to interfere or to intervene in your life in yeah. some way. Yep. You have to ask to for help. If you want help, you have to ask for it. Um, because at the end of it all, humans we have uh, you know the free will. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the right to choose whether we decide for something, for a higher power to help us or not, uh, if we choose to do it on our own. And if we believe in a higher power, then, you know, it, at some point, you just have to understand that you can do, you can only do so much. And then the rest, everything that seems impossible or everything, the opportunities that seem that are never going to come or whatever, um, those are left in the hands of a of, uh, of the universe, of a higher power, God, whatever you want to name it. Yep, absolutely, 100%. So um, we'll get more into that because uh, when you're telling your story about, you know, when we were married, there was a lot of God moments. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll go into that. Um, and for those of you uh, that are wondering, you know, the pictures that you see with my wife, Marcella, and my daughter, Marissa, this is Marissa's mom. So, hey. <laughs> So, you know, that's uh, what, uh, that's my, what, that's why Marissa's free. That's right. She, thank God she got her mother's looks. <laughs> so, so the, the, the time I do, there's a lot of social media out there that I have. And so, you know, my family is, is right on the forefront of all of that. You know what I mean? And, and this is the first opportunity that many of, many of, of my listeners uh, and followers get an opportunity to see, you know, someone who is, is just as important in my life. Um, and, and Marissa is the glue that's kept us all together. Um, we're still, we're still very good friends and, uh, family because of, of my daughter, um, and because of recovery, because if I hadn't, you know, dove into recovery and made the choices that I made and listened to my sponsor the way that I did, we would not have the relationship that we do today. So I'm very grateful for the program, for my relationship with my higher power, because it's given us this opportunity to even be here on this call right now you know, uh, to, to, to support each other. You know what I mean? Cause, cause even, even 14 years later and, and shit now we've known each other. Oh, Marty's 14, four, 18 years. Marty's you know, we've, 15. my daughter's 15. I knew that. I knew that. That makes it 19 years. <laughs> we've known each other. So that's, <laughs> what's that? The earpiece keeps falling off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kids today. Um, so, so as we, you know, go into that journey, uh, also loud is not an alcoholic or a drug addict, right? Uh, but she has had experience with, uh, alcohol. Um, and so I was going to, I'm just going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests, you know, um, how old were you the first time you drank or used drugs? And more importantly, how did they make you feel and expand as much or as little as you'd like? I was um, very young. I was probably 14, uh, 13, 14. And um, my, uh, my, my, my parents always had, um, you know, they never, they weren't there to the day. They're, they've never been drinkers. But um, they always used to, for dinner or for a family gathering or stuff like that, um, they would have a, a glass of wine or, or, or a glass of whiskey, whatever. And I remember in, at some point, I, yeah, I was probably around 14. It was um, for uh, New Year's Eve at my uncle's house um, that they just gave me a glass of wine and said, hey, I want to have a glass of wine, try it out. 
And then my dad, every now and then, and I remember him doing the same with my brothers. Um, the, he would always say, I'd rather you try, try it at home and with us as a family than you do than you doing it outside and trying it with your friends or, you know, somewhere else where I can't keep an eye on you. So that's the first time I drank. And um, I remember I, I, you know, I liked it. I always liked the, the flavor of, of, um, of wine. I'm, I'm like, to the day, I feel, I feel like it. And, um, um, I was, I think it, I threw out, even, even though I, I, I had like a glass of wine back then, I was never inclined to drinking a lot of, a lot of it or getting really wasted. I think that I actually did obviously get wasted several times. Like I think most young people do, um, after I turned 18. And um, I think mostly actually after I turned 20, 21 or something like that, that I did get wasted several times. Um, but, uh, but it was mostly socially, like if we were out with friends or whatever, but it was never um, something like I needed or I had to or anything. Um, I, did, um, I did try smoking weed a couple of times, you know that. And, um, but, um, at the same time, it was never, I, I've just never had that, I guess that in me to become an addict. I never really liked smoking cigarettes. Um, I tried it once. I hated it. And, um, and even with, with, uh, weed and stuff like that, but I never really, you know, even though it was, I, I think it was, it was fun for, you know, social events and stuff like that. It was never really something that I either craved or needed or anything like that so yeah okay all right well that's and that's that's important to know too right i mean we were uh together for four years and i was the train wreck right and and so we would we would party together you know um and and you know hang out and and do that thing and then it was like i would always just keep it going right like when are you going to shut it down? So, you know, there's that, that whole dichotomy between, you know, that, the, the people that don't have the switch, that, that as soon as the, the feeling comes in, as soon as the buzz comes in, the brain goes, okay, we're cool now. Let's enjoy this. And, you know, cool, we'll shut it down. And then there's those of us that the button gets clicked and it's like, oh, my God, I think we need more and more and more and more. Exactly, yeah. No, luckily for me, I never had that, that situation and um, no one in my family does either. So I don't know if there's, you know, anything to say for that. But um, no, God. I even till, till, till today, I have a glass of wine. I have two if I go out with friends, you know, and, and that's it. I really don't, I don't do anything else. I, you know, that's as much as I, as I uh, do a couple of beers every now and then, a couple of glasses of wine, whatever. That's it. All right. All right. All right. So now it's time for me to turn the show over to you. It's time for you to share your story with us. In this case, okay. it's not the battle with drugs and alcohol. It's more of, you know, the story of, you know, how we met and what happened and, you know, just your side of the story, just that to... As a, as, a, as a way to, to express yourself, all my listeners have lear- heard my side of the story. And, and I think it's when you said, no, I'll tell my side of the story. I thought it was a very cool opportunity for my listeners to understand, you know, both sides. Because in, in many, 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 many relationships, there is the addict and there is the non-addict. And there is that relationship and, and the chaos and the, and, the, and the tragic, you know, 
things that happen. So tell us your side of the story, Lau. Um, yeah, exactly. I think uh, when you mentioned it at some point about talking about this, I said, well, you know, it, in, it has, oh, unfortunately, addiction has a lot of repercussions, um, obviously not just in the person that is suffering it, but in the people that are around him or her. And um, that's probably, you know, um, in, in my case, uh, you're the only person in my life that I've ever met or had a relationship with that actually had a, an, an addiction problem. Not that I knew it at the time, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, I met you, I met Omar being very young. I was probably on my early, probably not. I was in my early twenties and, um, and well, um, I think for the, for, for the, I was working and, uh, Omar had just come, I was working in a, in a sports book and, uh, Omar had just come in from, from the United States and, um, um, that's when we met. That's how we met. Uh, I believe somebody at some point said something to me like, oh, he wants to ask you out or whatever. And I didn't show any interest at that point. At some point you asked me out. I said to dinner, as far as I remember, I said, okay. And uh, I never really expected anything from it. Like I can't say, oh, it was love at first sight because I can't say that. But, um, you know, we had a fun dinner and things escalated from there. And um, Omar is very nice. He's very, uh, like he is today, very um, funny, of course. And uh, in general, he treated me well. He was very attentive, very detailed. Uh, he was always, you know, very nice about uh, the way he, he, he treated me and all that stuff. And uh, it was fun. We had a, gr a, um, a good group of friends that we used to hang out with and go to dinner with. And I think things were going well at that time for for both of us even in work and things like that so I think all that obviously uh, helped in one way or another build the relationship and um, and soon enough uh, you know the relationship got more serious and eventually we we were living together um, I think when it comes to the addiction initially it wasn't I don't think it, I think it, I don't know at what point it started. And I honestly, to the day, I can't, and part of it may be memory. Like I said earlier in the, in the conversation, um, you know, memory fails me for my own good or whatever. And, um, but I don't remember at what point it began. I remember as he proposed to me and um, I'm sorry, if it cut off over there. And after that point, after after you proposed, I think it it kind of I started seeing some some more evident problems there. And um, why? Because uh, some nights, you know, he would come in extremely late or not come in at all. Um, you know, lame excuses or just stinking uh, like alcohol or stuff like that. And I think. In many ways, you know, me being so young and everything, I probably turned a, you know, turned, how do you say it? Um, turned a blind eye. Exactly. Turned a blind eye on, on certain situations. And I, and because I was caught up in the romantic side of it all, I just kind of, you know, ignored some things that could have been um, alarms. Uh, alerts about certain situations maybe you know maybe obviously is somebody older or somebody with more experience in terms of alcohol and drugs and stuff like that would have probably noticed that or, or even not even that just in life in general 
uh, somebody with no <laughs> more experience in life in general would have probably noticed the, the, the evident symptoms of alarm. And, uh, but I didn't, I, I figured it was, you know, just Omar being Omar or man being man, whatever. And, um, him hanging out with friends and, you know, being in his social circle, that was very common. I think, you know, the group of people that, that, and, and that's very true. You know, when you hang out with certain people, you end up kind of, um, you know, doing the same thing they do or whatever. And, um, I think for the, for a, a, a lot of that was, I, I, I made up that excuse and I justified it. A lot of the behaviors because of that. I remember um, that we had a lot of fights, you know, prior to getting married, but at no point did um, I made the decision of, or could reconsidered marrying you. And obviously I should have. And not <laughs> in retrospective. <laughs> no, no, I'm see I, I mean I'm, and I'm I don't don't get me wrong, I don't regret everything that happened because obviously it had to happen and that's why I have my daughter and everything. But I'm just saying based on everything that was going on, I probably should have, you know. And uh but I didn't and uh, things uh, we got married and um, it was a beautiful ceremony actually and everything. But, uh, and then we had a, a great experience with the honeymoon uh, trip and everything. It was good. And eventually um, I think, it, you know, once we got back, it kind of got worse, <laughs> I think, or it was already at that point. I don't know. Um, I remember one day, you didn't I remember that clearly I remember that that you didn't show up and I was really worried because you didn't show up uh, at, uh, to sleep at, you know and um, you weren't answering your phone and you know it was nowhere to be found and I I don't remember exactly how it went down in terms of how I ended up locating you I think I went I ended up going uh, calling uh, one of your friends in Escazú I think it was I don't remember if it was Ray or who it was and he oh, said oh yeah shit, it was yeah. around here or whatever yeah and mm. I mean Omar had just went had just gone on a on a you know bender bender yeah and uh I think you spent the night like sleeping on a bench in a park or something like that yeah and um <laughs> That was obviously one huge, you know, alert about how bad things were for him. And uh, obviously, it, it, you know, the feeling that you have at that point is just a, um, um, how would you say it? You just don't know, really don't know, because you've never experienced anything like that in your life. So you don't know how to react to it. You don't know how to help. And um, so, you know, the natural response is obviously being upset or getting mad and at the same time being concerned. Um, but, yeah, it was it was it was horrible. I also remember at some point, I mean, he also he you disappeared for a few days and you came back. And that's when I actually when you actually came clean about a lot of a lot of, about a lot of things. And uh, he came clean about a lot of things. But this was actually after we've we already had we already knew that you had a problem you already knew that you had um you know situations you were trying to get help 
um, but not very efficiently, or we're trying to leave it on your own, you know, on your own, and you weren't accomplishing much. And um, you lied, you know, about things, uh, about go, about you were where you were going, about who you were with, about things like that. Um, anyway, um, I, re- I there's a few things that I remember. Obviously, there were a lot of different situations that just kept, you know, uh, happening. You lied about where you were, uh, who you were with. Um, showed up late at night, uh, stank like, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> And, um, but I guess it was, uh, there's a few things like I remember that time that I was freaked out about you not showing up. And there was another time you just disappeared for like a weekend or whatever. And then came and then just reappeared. And, uh, I don't know what you were on, but you were rambling about different, you know, whatever experience you've had and whatever. And, and, uh, in your, in your, you know, fantasy and well not fantasy but it was reality but at the same time in that state of mind better said you you know you came clean about a lot of different things and uh, all the times you cheated on me and all the different you know things that you'd done didn't do whatever and uh i that that's after that situation that's when we had a conversation and 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 we sat down and and you eventually took made the decision of of getting you help and you went to that rehab center in Elia, whatever. Um, I think by that, by that by that time, I was already pregnant, if I'm not mistaken. And um, and um, well, it was kind of the opportunity we were giving, you know, obviously to help you get clean and to also help the relationship. But at that point, there had already been a lot of damage done. Because obviously there was um, no trust, in, you know, no respect in a lot of different ways, and um, and and even though there was a, a justification that was the use of drugs that didn't really, you know, make me feel any better, so to speak. Um, anyway, you you know when it, I remember also the whole experience about your your the people you used to work with or friends that we had in common um obviously when the, when these sort of things happen uh people start telling you you know and 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 opening more and giving you information some of it true some of it not true uh you can't really tell but eventually you just start feeling like a like a fool i suppose because you know there were so many different things that you chose not to see or that you just didn't see at all you know and um and you start feeling feeling really really like a fool uh stupid in many different ways because a lot of people knew what you were doing and knew what how you how you were you were living this double life so to speak and um so you start um, wondering, you know, I mean, what did I, you know, what did I do wrong? Well, how could I have been so stupid? Whatever, you know, all this different, all this different thing. The experience was, um, was very difficult, very hard. And um, I was pregnant at the time. So I was not just dealing with the fact that you were, you know, an addict and trying to understand what that meant as well but also trying to deal with my own uh, situation. I was working, uh, which helped uh, work 
helped because obviously it keeps you busy and it keeps you um, doing something else. And um, but it was it was really really a difficult time in my life because I felt very lonely. Thank God I've always had like my my family and everybody there. Um, because I remember one time, you know, even my, the house where we lived and it, it was raining and it flooded and everything and there was water everywhere. And I remember, I, I don't know, I, I don't remember how far along in my pregnancy I was, but I remember I had to, you know, deal with all that on my own. Uh, we had a lot of dogs as well at the time. So it's like everything together. Um, and it was really hard. Eventually, I think, um at that point I'd still kind of wanted things to work out and everything um when I was at work one time and then I received a phone call from the rehab center you were in it was you had been there what for a week or so I don't remember or two weeks I don't know and, and um I think it must have been like two weeks and they told me hey Omar yeah Omar left the 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 you know, the, the center or whatever. And we don't know where he's at and he didn't say anything and there was no stuff in him or whatever. And I was like, what the hell? Right. And, um, and you were nowhere to be found. He just simply disappeared. And, um, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, what the heck? And, uh, I remember talk, uh, calling your sister at some point and asking her if she'd seen you or whatever. She's like, no. And at some point, I guess through the following day or whatever, I finally, I don't, I don't even remember. I swear to God, like I said, it's, it's all blurry for me now. I, I don't called even you. Know exactly. I think you called me. You told me you were, you had left through the Panama frontier because you were in some paranoid event or whatever. And, um, and you were heading to to the states, so eventually your sister called me and she told me, "Hey, he's with me or whatever." And um, so at least I knew where you were. But um, it was uh, again, it was a sense of abandonment in many ways, and it was just. I guess at that point you you wonder because obviously I don't, I'm not an addict. I've never had an addiction, so you don't know at what point um, you have to justify certain things because of the addiction, obviously, but it's just, it's a justification for you, but it's not a justification for the people you hurt. Right. And as much as you want to understand it and as much as you want to, to it's, I guess it's like any other, anything else, uh, you know, you end up hurting the people around you and, um, even though you're maybe you're not conscious and you're not doing it on purpose, um, it still happens. You still do it and you're still responsible for that. And uh, as much as I was responsible for whatever I did with, with my life at that point. So my priority at that point in my life was obviously my, my daughter. And, um, so I was, I just kept on working and, and, um, and got through my pregnancy. I had friends, I had a uh, family, so that made things, um, easier in a way. Uh, at some point you started getting your life back together while you were in the state and, um, and, uh, that was good. You know, you obviously, you, you could, I could hear you on the phone 
being better. But, um, but it was, you know, Hey, good for you. But at the same time, you know, um, I'm here dealing with what I have to deal with by myself in a, in an experience that's supposed to be happening in a situation that it's supposed to be, uh, fun and yeah, fun and happy and all that stuff. It, it just, it, it, there was a lot of, of, um, resentment in a lot of different things. Um, like I said, um, luckily I did, I had, I had a, a steady job. I had a, uh, a good, a good income. So I didn't have to depend on you at that time. So, and that was, I think, you know, awesome because, um, if I, if I would have had to depend on you, I don't know what I would have done, you know, cause that would have been just added, adding to my tension at that time. And, uh, but at that, at that moment I was, um, I had support from family and friends. And uh, even though there were a lot of things at that point that you can't share with them, obviously, like my family and my friends, they knew, uh, well, my friends probably knew, my closer friends knew more about what was going on than than my family. And um, I didn't go into a lot of details with them because I didn't want um, for them to end up... uh, having you know having negative feelings towards you even though they they knew you had just left while i was pregnant that didn't help right <laughs> but um but at least you know they i tried to not go into details about uh how bad things were and um what you had put me through at that point um because you know i didn't see the necessity of it i didn't want um i knew you were you know you're the father of my daughter i I knew you i was going to have you in my life um for for the rest of my life Uh, and um and i didn't want that issue so um i think i think that was it you know i think um i had a lot of of um of down moments when obviously, you know, I would break down under certain circumstances. Um, but, um, but also being pregnant, even though it, it made me more vulnerable at the same time, it gave me the strength to just move forward and keep going. Right. Um, and, um, eventually when you came back, I think so many things had already changed um of course it's always the same story right you promised you'd changed and whatever but um i was in an i I had already had to go through all that um by myself so you come to a point where you're like okay you put me through all this and you just you know and i've gone through it and and come out sorry there's a b in here and and I've come and I've come yeah, and I managed to get through it and I'm finally and I was probably at, at that point in a emotionally somewhat stable situation at least I wasn't going crazy like I, I was at the beginning and um, and um, I was like you know I I don't I didn't know what I really want out of our relationship. I didn't know what I wanted because obviously I wanted to have, I had, we had been married 
months. Yeah. Not even a year. Not even a year. And um, not even a year. And um, and with and you know, and I obviously wanted the relationship to work, and I didn't want to, you know, because you feel all that stuff. You feel as a failure in your part. You know, I mean, in my part, in other words, and you, you feel like a failure. You're like, okay, you know, you're going to be married and you're going to get divorced in less than a year. Uh, you know, and, uh, am I going to just, uh, you, you know, what's in, what, how's my life going to be from this point on raising a kid on my own and all that stuff comes to your mind. And, um, I guess, um, you had all those things, but at the same time you had the, how do I get past everything that went through? How do I get past the fact that he cheated on me, that he lied to me? Do I trust him? Do I not trust him? Um, all those things, of course, there's, there's still, you know, feelings and there's still, um, a love in between because you just, you can't, you just don't go from loving somebody today to just, you know, not loving them tomorrow. Um, unfortunately it doesn't work like that. So of course there's a lot of feelings still in there and a lot of things that you wonder as a woman, obviously you always wonder, okay, what's more convenient? Should it stay? Should it go? What do I do? Um, like I said, luckily for me at that time, um, because for a lot of women, I know it becomes an issue. The, the financial part wasn't an issue for me at that time. I was in a very stable condition. Um, so that wasn't a problem. So for me, it was a more more about the emotional, you know, situation and how I wanted to go through with everything, how I wanted to raise my daughter, <clears throat> and the example I wanted to give my daughter at the same time. So there's so many different things and factors that you have to take into consideration. And um, um, at some point, um, I know... I, I think I was sitting in front of, of, of a, because you asked me and you, you said you were going to ask me like one of those moments when you know, or you have more clarity on what you're going to do. I was, I was shopping. I was after work. I, I stopped at the price mart by, by the house. And, um, and this song came in the radio and it made just a click, you know, it was like, and I started crying and I, I wasn't even able to do the shopping. I just sat there and cried. And I remember at some point I said, it's just, I just can't do this. I simply can't do this. I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't, there's certain things I can't forget. Because in particular, you feel that, uh, or at that point, I felt like I had, I had given, um, a lot into the relationship and I had um, also taken a lot into the relationship. And, you know, you, at, you also wonder at some point, you're like, okay, you've come this far, you know, and you're just going to turn back at this point, you know, and just, why don't you just do, you know, go, keep going until to see what happens. But something at that moment just kind of clicked and I, and, and I went home and, and, um, and I and I said to myself, I don't I don't think I could do this. And um, Christmas was coming, and we moved out of that house, and we moved into a different house or whatever. And then when Marissa was born, and uh, there was just so much more 
you know, still going. And I don't, I don't know. I think you, I don't know at what point if you were really clean at that time, if you weren't, I think you, you know, I, there was something inside of me that didn't believe that you were completely clean. <laughs> yeah. I wonder even why though, that would be. Exactly. Right. No, no. Even though we, we weren't even living together then, you know, but there was something, you know, that alerted me. Obviously I had already gone through the experience with you um, that I didn't have prior and uh something even though you you know you, i wasn't there to see you whether you were to see any signal so to speak i there were certain things that that probably you know raised the the flags for me and um at some point i said okay well um you know i i also i remember my mom asking me and Marissa had just been born and my mom asking me and saying, Hey, but what are you going to do? And, you know, wherever my mom's always been like, Oh, you have to, you know, I, and I understand, you know, so you want to give it a shot and not get, you know, don't be impulsive about this or whatever. And I said to my mom, I was like, mom, it's not even about, it's not impulsive. I mean, you know, obviously I can't tell you why, and I can't go into details with you on, 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 on what's going on, on what has gone down in the past months. But the point of the bottom line is I just can't trust him. I just can't, I can't see myself being with him and him going out and, uh, you know, doing whatever at whatever time of day and trusting that he's telling me the truth about where he's going or where he's at or who he's with or what he's been doing. I just can't, trust him and I can't leave with that um hanging over my head all the time because I need to know you know I have I like stability and peace in my mind I've always liked stability in my life and um you know not having that in like what am I going to do be chasing him around all the time you know I'm going to make his life miserable I'm going to make my life miserable because I'm not going to be at peace at any given point and um I I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't, I can't do it. So um, I think those were like two moments where I was really aware that it was probably never going to work again between us. Or it was going to be extremely, or a lot of time or something, you know, very, had, the universe had to, to work in a very weird way for <laughs> things to get back in track. <laughs> because I knew something was broken that was yeah. just beyond repair. And, um, and that was that. And I had at that point, uh, there, there was somebody in my life as well that was giving me a lot of support and that was Mario. And, um, that was giving me a lot of support as a friend and everything, but he was, he was obviously, you know, he had other interests as well with me, but, um, but he was very supportive as a friend and he was always there for me. And I think that also gave me enlightened me in way in one way or another to to understand that it was that my life was not just you know over that it wasn't that I was not necessarily that this was not necessarily a failure and that I could move forward and and look forward to other things in my life so that that you know that was that eventually uh, once Marissa was like a year old um I moved out of where we were over to where I live now uh, with the help of my parents. 
and uh, closer to my family, which helped a lot with with Marissa still being, you know, so young and everything. And um, and that was that. I mean, I know, you know, Omar tried for a long time (laughs) for us to get back together and stuff, but it was just not it was just not there. It was just not happening. I mean, I had a great, you know, uh, I, I, I still love you as, as a friend and as the father of my son, of my daughter, but, um, it was just not, you know, not in a romantic way anymore. It was just not there because there were so many other elements lacking to be able to have a, a healthy relationship. But, um, that, that was that, um, and then fast forward um, 14 years, um, because Marissa was one by the time I moved to this house. So yes, fast forward 14 years. Um, it's it's been it was fun. I I, I mean I I re I restarted my life so to speak. Um, eventually. Mario and I began a romantic relationship and um, it was, it was great. Um, Marissa was almost five years old when I, yeah, she was almost five. She was four and a half, almost five when uh, my son was born, when Emiliano was born. And, um, and I think we've had, you know, a, a great relationship well, I had, we had, a, I had a great experience. I can't complain. I've always had ups and downs, especially, you know, uh, work-wise or financial. There's always something you have to deal with. And uh, there was, the, my, but my relationship with you, I think, as, went from, you know, eventually mutated into a, a friendship, into a good friendship. And um, because I, I never despite what many people always, you know, used to tell me, you know, like you get him to pay alimony or whatever. It's like, you know, <laughs> I was never that kind of person. I, like I said, it was for me, it was, uh, and I think at some point I told you, I said, look, you're going to be as involved in Marissa's life as you want to be. And you're going to be the kind of parent or the kind of father you want to be to Marissa. Um, it was nothing, you know, I never wanted my daughter to kind of, um, say to me at any given point, Hey, you didn't allow me to have a good relationship to m- with my father. I, I, I said, you know what? They're going to build a relationship they're meant to build and that he's willing to build with her. Um, as much time as you wanted to dedicate to her as much time and, you know, as much bonding as you guys wanted to do. And, um, and I think that part worked out well. Um, Omar has always gone along well with my family um, ever since he got really sober, you know, things, things got much better in terms of how we communicated and how things were going for a long time. Obviously there were resentments and things I think between us, but you know, time heals, um, all, all wounds. And, um, I think, you know, um, through, throughout the years, we've come to that point where we where we share a wonderful daughter, and um, he knows I I love his sister and then his uh, and his nieces and um, and even his mother I have a good relationship with, even though I don't see her much. And uh, you and you have a good relationship with my family, and I think they've they've come to 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 love you as well. And um, 
And that's that. I think for the most part, Marisa has been, it was probably a good decision because Marisa was never, didn't have to go through um, a huge separation or fights or anything like that as a young, as a baby. She never had to see anything like that. Like she, she was brought up in a very healthy environment and um, she got used as a little kid that you and I were not together. So it, it, I don't think it was ever weird for her because that's actually the normal standard for her. So, um, so I think that was good. And, um, and, and what else? And I'm just glad. I'm glad to see that, you know, in that, that in your particular case, you know, you were able to get clean and you've been clean for so many years. And um, that's also a testimony that you can give to your daughter and that, um, and that today, well, has us here talking and uh, chatting about this. Um, after earlier this year, I separated from, from my second, uh, partner because we never got married, but from the second partner, or, but I considered him my husband after so many years together. And, uh, it's been hard. Um, but here we are battling the good battle as usual. And, uh, I think probably the hardest part is having to relieve many feelings um like i said obviously there's i can't say that i regret anything that i've gone through i have a wonderful daughter a wonderful son and uh biggest motivation ever um but uh but yeah i guess you come to a point i'm 38 years old, almost 39. Um, and you get to a point where you're like, okay, what have I accomplished? Um, my situation today is very different from what it was um, 16 years ago or, you know, and um, financially speaking, it's tougher. Um, so it, it, you get to that point in your life when you don't really know you, you find yourself in certain situations where you don't know, uh, you know, how you got there. And um, you have to start there by figuring out what got you to that point. And uh, again, seek the, the assistance of a higher power and, uh, and kind of take it from there. Um, and that's where, where I'm at today. I'm kind of just uh, hoping that soon enough things will turn around for the best um both in an in a financial and uh, also emotional um level you know you know um it is it's 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 interesting to have this this interview because you know you wonder how many couples are able to have this conversation and 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 I've I've shared my story I don't know how many times. Um, obviously, you're a big part of that, and and Marissa is a big part of that, you know. Um, and then as 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 the chapter closes, right? Um, and there's so many things that happen, like even in the movies, right? The movies has either a 
some sort of a happy ending of some sort, right? Where, where you know, things just happen to, to work out. But then what happens a few years down the road? Because I know that the cool thing was that, you know, as far as stepdads go, I was always grateful that, that Mario was Marissa's stepdad because I always got along with him. You know, he's a good man and he always, he always treated you and, and Marissa with, with the same amount of love that I would have, I know it, even more, even more so because he had the ability at the time to do so. I didn't have the ability to do that at the time, you know, and, and, I, and I respected Mario a lot for, for stepping up and being there for you where I couldn't, you know. Um, and it was cool because, you know, when I got married four years ago, our relationship, you know, allowed it so that you and Mario and, and Emiliano and Marissa could be there, that Marissa could walk me down the aisle and we could share this experience, you know, together as a family. We spend Christmases together as a family. I go to your, my, you know, Marcella and I, we go to your parents' house for Christmas and we, that's part of our ritual. Every year we don't really have Christmas plans because we already know where we're going to go for Christmas. So life ebb and flows. You never know what's coming next, right? We can hope and we can work very, very hard to try and do the best that we can for ourselves and for our children and for our family. But we never know what, what curveball is going to get thrown at you at any given moment. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. as, far as, as far as like where you're at today and as far as the way that I like to close the show is asking questions basically that, that can help the listeners moving forward. And so most of the time when I close the show, it's about, tell me about what it was like in the first part of your recovery, right? And so in this particular case, it's, it's, it's more about when did you, you know, what sort of aha moments and what kind of... Um, I guess the spiritual awakenings, you know, like you, you mentioned about being in the car and listening to a song, you know what I mean? And then just kind of getting to that point where you realize that, you know, I can't do this anymore. You know, what is one of the biggest aha moments that you've had recently in your life that are, are reminiscent to that right now moving forward? You know, I actually, I think I'm waiting for a big aha moment. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I am. I think I am. Um, but I think it's, it's, you know, eventually when it happens, you know. Um, but for, for a minute, you know, throughout this whole, it's been three months since, I, since, uh, since I've been separated. And I think, you know, like I said before, you just kind of have to make a stop in your life and wonder what you've done wrong, you know, because obviously there's always stuff that you always, we always, I think, I believe most humans, we try to do the best we can, right? I mean, we don't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to go, you know, uh, hurt someone or, <laughs> or, you know, or I'm going to do this so that my marriage fails in two months or whatever. No. But uh, you you do things and you're not uh, conscious about what you do that that you could have done differently, and um, you just kind of I guess one of one of the how moments recently has been like well I have to get my life back together somehow, and um, without um, you know for me not for 
for not for anyone else because as a mother eventually you kind of get lost in 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 as a mother as a wife you get lost in different in different roles you you your life and your everyday um things kind of um are all about what your kids need and what your husband needs and uh you know what your family needs what your work requires from you and um what you what you need financially and it becomes more about what it you know uh, the the requirements of everybody else and everything else around you and not really about you so um you eventually have to you know i used to i used to always think well my kids are going to grow older you know they're going to eventually go to college or start working and whatever and they're going to eventually build their own lives and do with their own things and even they're going to stop needing me as much as they need me today they're going to want to be having their own life be independent and um and do what they do and so i used to dedicate a lot of my time to my relationship precisely because i figured you know this is the person i'm going to spend the rest of my life with So that's where you go, right? I mean, again you go into somebody else or or you only think about your life in function of of your marriage or your or your being a mom or whatever it is. And eventually you have to come to a point where you say, "Okay, now that's not the plan anymore. Readjust." So you have to reinvent yourself and figure out what you want. Because I've always and I think I've told you this at some point I've always been very clear about what I wanted in my life. I knew I wanted to be a mother, a young mother and uh I didn't want to, you know, I wanted two or three kids but by the time, you know, I didn't want to be in at this stage in my life and and having babies. I didn't never wanted to do that ever. I said to myself, I want to have my kids when I'm young because that way once I get to a certain age I'll be able to travel and do my own thing. and not worry about them. well obviously I'm going to worry about my kids but not worry about having you know to change diapers and get up at night and you know and all that stuff I just didn't want to have to do that and um well you have you happen to think you have a plan but then I guess life has a different plan for you um it throws a curveball like you said and um you have to reinvent yourself you have to start thinking in function of you what do you want how do you want to live the rest of your life what do you what steps do you need to take to actually get to that point where you need to be in life both in an emotionally stable and financial and you know um everything you know so um readjusting pieces like i said i don't think i've had um an an aha moment so to speak as of yet like i that i can that i can actually say oh this is why this happened because you know or no i don't think i've come to this point yet um uh, i hope it happens at some point it will um but for right now it's only been little things like okay you need to reevaluate what you've done wrong and kind of figure out how to be a better person and reestablish your plan and um and that's it right i mean it's been like i said it's not the same to face this situation now that than 16 years ago because the circumstances are very different like i said when i separated from you 
or we, you know, we had been married for, for less than a year and, um, and we had been in a relationship, you know, for a couple of years before that. But in this situation I'm in now, I've been in a relationship for 13 years or so with this person. And obviously, and and shared a a family life together. So um, it's a very different experience. It's a very different um, situation, so to speak. Because there's a lot more connections, there's a lot more things that um, that connect us, that connect us, and and it's harder. I think it's hard. Um, I'm clear that even though, like I, like if you ask me now, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have a particular plan. Like I said, I wake up every day. I pray to to God to guide me through the right steps and through the right uh, path. And enlighten me in everything I'm gonna do and everything I'm gonna um, take on, and hope for the best. Because and hope that he really has a good plan. Because I really don't have any at this point. So <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, you know, you kind of just you. I'm I'm going at it like you guys, you know, in 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 in, in recovery, say one day at a time, kind of thing. And um, I think. Um, forgiving yourself is being is a very important part of 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 the of the situation. Like being able to forgive yourself, being able to reevaluate what you did wrong and what you could have done better. And um, like I said, many different feelings. You feel frustrated. You feel um, like a failure in many ways. You feel like you're failing your kids. That's the worst feeling ever, ever. Um, sorry, edit that. No. <laughs> and um, that's probably the worst feeling ever. Like, because you're not responsible only for your situation. You're responsible for your kids situation so yeah i think that's that's probably the hardest have you ever failed your kids now well like i said not not directly but in a way or another when you when your marriage fails and you no longer are able to give them that stability as a family um unit so to speak then you feel like you've failed you know because they were happy, they were happy in a stable in a stable home in a stable um, unit, and all of a sudden, all that is destroyed for them. So of course you feel responsible. Maybe, obviously you don't do it on purpose. Obviously you you don't do it with like I said, like with the addiction, you don't do it with the intention or the objective of of actually hurting somebody else. But on, but in a in a in a divorce, the kids always pay the highest price. You know. Well, they do because whatever they whatever you put them through today, it's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. So yeah, you you do even even if technically Omar, you 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 don't feel like you failed them, or you you don't technically have failed them. You feel like you have failed. So yeah, you've not only failed yourself, you failed your kids, 
and uh, and that's a uh, that's probably the hardest part of of the situation well you know i think that um this is never easy it wasn't easy it wasn't easy no. 16 years ago it wasn't easy i'm going to be 15 years yeah, so it wasn't easy 15, 16 years ago to go through what you went through. Um, it's not easy what you're going through now. But, you know, one of the things that I keep hearing you is that evaluate what I did wrong. Evaluate what I did wrong. You know, and I would, I would reframe that and I would say, how about I focus on what I did right? Because you did a Absolutely. lot of and right what, things. You know, what you do right is, is but, but you know what you did right, you know. And that's what allows you to um, to value yourself and to know your worth. You know what I mean. But um, at the same time, if you don't, if you don't, if you can't, you can't. I don't think you can learn from from if you don't realize what you've done wrong and where you've gone wrong. You know, and not necessarily what you've put into your into the relationship. Sometimes it's about what you have failed to do for yourself for example. So there's many different things that um, you have to go back and consider and say, okay, this is what I should have done that I didn't do. And this is what I need to fix going forward. Because if you don't do that exercise, if you don't go through that, then you, how do you grow? How do you move forward and, and become a better person, right? So yes, there's always, there's always areas that you need to, to work on. Obviously, there's a lot of things that I know I did right, and then there's a lot of things that that you know you have strengths, but they say right. I mean, you have to know your weaknesses just as much as you have to know your strengths to be able to 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 avoid people from using those weaknesses against you. So um, it's the only way to to do it. It's the only way to to handle things. And um, yeah, it's it's been hard. It's been difficult. I don't like I said. I'm I'm still kind of going through it one day at a time, trying to figure out where I want to go from here and uh, where I need to go from here and where life is taking me now. Because obviously the plan I had is no longer, like I said, possible. So it's just going to have to be reevaluated. And um, and that's where and that's where you're at. Like I said, you know, you obviously you wonder, you know. Um, what's life going to bring? A friend of mine asked me the other day, I'm like, oh, would you, you know, don't be, somebody else will come, will come to your life or whatever. And I'm like, you know, you're not even thinking about that, obviously, at this point in my life. I'm not thinking about that at all. And, um, and I don't think I want to even go there at any point, you know, in the near future. I, you, you can't say never, you know, like I say, never say never because you don't know what life is going to bring. But, um, but for right now, it's, um, it's about me. It's about the kids. And, um, and that's that. So what, what are some of the resources that you have used or some of the resources, um, at your books or any other resources that you've used or that you would suggest, uh, to, to our listeners? Okay, I read a lot. I've talked to I talked a lot to my friends. Omar being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend talking to Omar. <laughs> no, <but laughs> no, um, all seriousness. No, honestly, yeah, talking to to close friends has has helped a lot. But um, you know, you kind of at at some I'm, I read a lot, and I read a lot of and I've gone through a lot of reading about you know relationships and all that stuff, but I've never been a big fan of 
of, uh, you know, of getting self-help books or anything like that. I read and I, and I just kind of try to, I've tried to understand my situation. I've tried to understand, like I said, why I'm in the current situation like that. So I've uh, looked for help, for help online, try to find resources and, you know, trying to get through this stage and how the divorce affects my kids and all these things. Um, but for the most part, I learned to live the process, like I said, little by little, because people will always tell you the same things, you know, oh, you, you know, better things will come. God has a better plan, this and that and the other thing. But there's really nothing when you're going through something like this, there's really nothing anybody can actually say that it's going to make you feel automatically better you know it's obviously just the process um there's um there's i don't i i read like i said i i read but i don't usually do help help books or anything like that i i like reading reading novels and reading other things that kind of keep me distracted and 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 all that stuff there's a particular um uh sort of like a, a gathering of, of thoughts that, that um, by, um, by an Argentinian singer and songwriter named Facundo Cabral. And um, it's called, um, you are not depressed, you're distracted. <laughs> no, it, it, I like it. Yeah. If you search it online and you, and you find it, it, it's, it's a good, it's a good read. It's, um, it's sort. It's sort of like a gathering of thoughts, like I said. A, a lot of them probably you've heard some other people or some other motivators um, use them. But it, it's called. It, it's in Spanish, obviously, but they have the version in English. There's. It's been around for a while, so they do have the version in English, and it's called that. You're not depressed. You're distracted, and it basically speaks of how so many times you get caught up in your own problems and you don't see all the good things that are around mm-hmm. you. So. That's a great resource. So I'm sure over the course of even even back 16 years ago and even recently, right? You have people that are in your life that are close to you. Um, what is what are some of the best suggestions you have ever received? Well, um, let's see. I've received so many, but like I said, uh, and and a lot of them are really great, are really good, but. Um, None of them, I think, has have stopped me from feeling um, what I felt. It's just given me support. It's just kind of helped me get through the situation, but it's never something it, – there's no magical potion in any of this, right? Nobody can actually say something that will snap you through out of it, or at least it hasn't been that way. But um, it's just uh, the support of friends, the fact that people have been there for me through through this situation and I don't think anybody has said anything to me that has been life-changing it's always been you know just you have to you have to keep moving forward and you have to do whatever you need to do to 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 pull yourself back together you know I you don't you don't you're not allowed right now to to stay in bed and cry and and not do anything you just have to keep on moving but no, nothing in particular that anybody has said has has actually made a big 
difference in the way I feel because obviously it'll, you know people are right at this stage in your life I'm almost 40 years old I mean you you already know this <laughs> you already know that life goes on you already know that you're not going to die because your relationship came to an end you already know that uh, probably something good will be right around the corner uh, you know you already know all these things but you can't stop feeling the way you feel. So all you can do, like I said, is just take it one day at a time and just go at it. What about, how can you speak to the idea of self-care and loving yourself? Like I said before, I think uh, you have to learn to uh, accept yourself with your good things and your positive things and your strengths and uh, more so with your weaknesses. You have to learn what, what you, you're not good at and, what, and where you fail miserably at and your character defects and all those things. And you just kind of have to work on those and, um, and accept yourself as, as you are, but at the same time work on whatever you can to improve yourself and, and make you a better person. But I think if, if there's one thing that helps a lot, like when when you're feeling down and when you're feeling like, you know, you're just having a bad day altogether, is helping somebody else. When you help somebody else and um, you do something nice for somebody else or, you know, whatever that is, whether it is somebody close to you that needs help with something and you just do it for that person. And if you, or if you're inclined to do involuntary work or whatever you want to do, um, when you are too caught up on yourself and you feel down and you feel that, you know, things are not going well for you. I think the best thing you can do other than, than crying over the spilled soup and, and feeling miserable is helping someone else. When you help someone else, it just kind of puts things into perspective and uh, it helps you move forward. So um, let's pretend that you knew someone, right? And they were telling you a story. They were telling you a story that is very reminiscent, very reminiscent to what was happening uh, to us back then, right? So now uh, it's, it's a friend, it's someone that you know, someone you care about, Husband's an addict, right? Uh, not coming home, cheating, right? Suspecting, just train wreck, right? She's right in the middle of the in, in, of the of the cyclone. What kind of suggestions? What would you tell her? You know, what would you offer her? Uh, first, I'd say be careful with what you tolerate, <laughs> because no, seriously, because what you when 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 you accept certain things or certain behaviors or certain situations, you are letting people know how you, you know, how you, ex how you expect to be treated. And, um, if you accept certain things, if you accept that your husband doesn't show up, uh, and sleep, you know, to sleep, or if you accept that, you know, he comes back smelling like liquor or doesn't want to give you an explanation of where he's been or, you know, who he's been with or, you know, any kind of 
disrespectful situation like this, I'd say, you know, you're if you allow those things, you're giving them permission to do it again and they'll do it again and they'll continue to do it. And uh, at some point in your life, you have to figure out that if they really do love you and if they really do care, they'll have they'll, they're the ones that have to take the initiative to show you that they care. I think for 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 women, well, I, not necessarily for women. I think many men go through it as well. When you love somebody, you kind of want to always be there for them, and you'll sometimes tolerate things and um, and like I said before, be in denial about certain situations or certain behaviors or things um, that maybe even at one point in your life you said to yourself, oh, I would never accept that. And then you find yourself dealing with things like that and accepting it. And, um, and, and that's the thing. I think in the way to get to know yourself, you have to, it, because it's very difficult to know yourself and love yourself for everything you are. But in that route to do it, I think you have to first know what you're not and what you're not willing to com- to compromise on. Um, if you're not the kind of person that will t- will tolerate your husband, you know, not not coming to sleep unless you have, you know, an open relationship or your own thing, you know, I mean, right? I mean, that that everybody has different situations, but uh, you have to draw the line somewhere. And, uh, and you have to draw the line to where people won't take you for granted and won't step over you and won't, um, you know, and you have to put yourself first, um, even as much as that hurts. And even if that means, um, telling someone to take a hike, you know, because at the end, if they do care and if they do love you, they'll have to show it somehow. So as we, as we close up the interview, Right. And we, not we, as you think about what it is that the message that you want to bring to the listeners, right? Like we, we talked, uh, I don't know if it was a few months ago and I, I, I never even asked you if you wanted to be on the show. Cause, uh, you're, I know how private you are about your life. I mean, Lauda is one of those people that is very, very, very private. So, um, I knew something must have triggered you, right? Like there's just, sometimes you get to this point where it's like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want to speak, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm tired of not speaking or I'm tired of, of acting a way that people think I should act or, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm just ready to say something, you know? So when we were talking and you're like, I'll get on your show. And I was like, what? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do this. You know? What is, what is the message you want to give to our listeners? No, I think um, that, first of all, as a, as a woman, like I said, and um, I have to say that I've always, both in my relationship with you and in my, in my recent relationship and I, in most of the relationships I've had, I've always tried to give the best of me. Um, granted, there's always, nobody's perfect. There's a lot of things to fix, but, um, but I've always tried to give it my best. And, uh, and I think that you, that at some point, like I said, you start tolerating certain behaviors and you start, you know, accepting certain things because you want to make the relationship work. And, um, 
and it, and it's that's precisely I think the first mistake and the first uh, step towards uh, failure in a in a relationship because you should never like I said prior I you should never accept anything less than when you deserve and if you uh, put X amount of work into a relationship you should be getting back that that same that same respect that same uh attention love time whatever whatever it may be but um yeah i think um for for a lot of people out there that sometimes we because because you're used to being with somebody or because you really love them and care for them and you want them to you know and you want the relationship to work out and you don't want to feel like a failure and all that but you you should never stay you know, you should never compromise your values and compromise your the love for yourself um, and allow anybody to step all over you. Yes. And because at the end, you can't, you know, you can only do so much on your own. And uh, the rest of, you know, your partner or your, you know, the other 50% is up to them and they have to fix their own problems and, and really get be clear about them wanting to be with you and you can't, you know, you can't force that on anybody. So, um, you can't force them to get help. You can't, if they're in an, in an addiction, for example, um, you can't force them to, to love you. You can't force them to do anything. So you can only do what you do for yourself and love yourself and put, and be clear about your limits. And I, and I think that's, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect way to close. And I think that too many people do not have that clarity. They do not have that, that focus and that clarity about, number one, what their worth is. You know, what is my value, right? And so when I'm not clear about my value, then I put all of that energy into my relationship, maybe even into my children. I pulled everything that I've got, you know, and I can attest to that, you know. Lauda tried everything, everything to help me get clean. We went to a psychologist, you know, we went, we, special herbs, right? We tried switching drugs, you know, and it's like, let's just, well, just smoke weed, you know what I mean? Or just just stop doing the coke, right? It was just all this different, like, it was all about me and it was all about me. And it was like, what about you? What about Lauda? You know, giving, giving a hundred percent into the relationship, right? And, and losing yourself in the process is something that everyone should be listening very intently to because when you lose yourself, then you also lose your ability to protect your protect yourself, defend yourself, take care of yourself, love yourself. Right? You're so worried about what that person's doing and how to make things work that you sacrifice the energy that you you vitally need for yourself. So I think that knowing what you're worth, knowing what your value is, knowing what you bring to the relationship and expecting that the other person's going to bring the same. And I don't see anything that is that's actually the most healthy way to look at of going into a relationship. It's like it's like a business. You know, this is what I bring to the table. This is what they bring to the table. Great. Let's let's do this. Right. And like I said, you have to I think you have it is very important because sometimes we don't know we don't have clarity on who we are because we grow all the time and we change all the time. And, you know, life changes us and circumstances changes, change, change. But at the end, there's one thing that doesn't change is who you're not. And uh, that's the first thing you should know is who you are not. I'm not the person that is going to, you know, 
um, stand to be disrespective. I'm not the person that, um, I don't know, you know, that's going to be out drinking and partying and I'm not going to tolerate that they, that somebody does this, um, you know, different things. Usually we're not necessarily clear about who we are, but we are very clear about who we're not. And that's a, that's a very good way to start. Um, setting up your limits and setting and drawing the line because if your partner knows well what you're not willing to take and what you're not willing to accept then that helps a lot i think knowing who you're not and knowing what not to tolerate i think that's 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 powerful and that's what everyone needs to know and and you know, I and I know this i know this i know this lao that that nothing that you've done as far as i'm concerned is is a failure Right. Like if I were to look at my life and and analyze and just start taking inventory of all the failures, my God, I, I would have jumped off a bridge years ago. Everything that I did for so many years was just a constant failure. Right. I failed my marriage. I failed as a father. I failed as a human being. I failed with my partners. I failed in my business. I failed. I failed. I failed. You know, um, and when I realized that I'd made some bad choices and that I had gotten consumed in something that I could no longer, you know, get free from and, and, and then found my way to it, right? The whole idea was to, you said it here yourself, you know, forgive yourself, you know, find the way to, to forgive yourself and go, okay, so what did I do right? What did I do back then? And, and now what's my next move moving forward? Because life is all about, I would say, making mistakes. And, and, and I would say even failures, right? Like all the, all the failures that, I mean, me failing in our marriage allowed me to be the husband that I am to Marcella today, right? Like I don't do any of the shit that I put you through, you know what I mean? And that doesn't help you 16 years ago, but everything that I, all the mistakes that I made back then, the failures that I made back then, it's like, I'm not repeating that now, right? And so I think that in life, life gives us the opportunity to succeed and fail, so we learn. And then we take those successes and we take those failures into every situation. And every year that goes by, we have more failures and we have more successes. We have more failures and more successes. And so what I do is like, okay, well, this didn't go right, but this... I know how to, I know this, 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 and this. So I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lean into that because, you know, 38 years old, I have a lot of experience now that I didn't have, you know, 15 years ago. Right. And so, and I, and I think that that's, what's important. You know, I, I want to leave the, I want to leave the, the, the interview on a, on a happy note <laughs> in the sense of like, like we're family, right. And no matter. Absolutely. No family, family comes first. Um, and and that's very important, you know. You, you you people come and go from your life, but there are certain people that you know, even people that are not blood related, that are family. And um, and family is the most important thing you can have, and through any situation, difficult situation you're going through, um, because you don't even necessarily, they don't even necessarily have to know everything, um, but they'll they'll be there for you. And that's the important thing about 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 family. Yeah, it's um it's necessary and it's important. And uh, we give usually a lot of value to other things that um, that should, that don't deserve it as much as as the people we love. I love it. 
I love it. That's perfect. That's perfect. And that's how we're that's how we're going to close this thing. Lao, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your truth with us because it was it was an emotional roller coaster and 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 I, I thank you for sharing it. No, thank you for having me. And I hope at the end, you know, the purpose of, of being here, I hope that maybe somebody that's going on that through certain situations like this would will listen and say, well, you know, I mean, it's not the end of the world and we'll all get through this. And I'm worth it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, folks, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.